Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now your host, Dr. Yosef Wittering. Hi, so today we're gonna to talk about what we've noticed in our practice when the FDA updated their label for benzodiazepines in 2020. And this led to a huge change in the way clinicians were handling their prescriptions and um, you know, kind of the history behind that. And if you're wondering about some of the things that me and my wife talk about, both being de-prescribing uh, psychiatrists, these are the conversations that we're having when we're relaxing in bed together. How romantic. I mean, I know we saw like a lot of changes in people coming to our practice around 2020 when the labels changed for the benzodiazepines. You know, they updated them, they strengthened, they strengthened the warnings about addiction and dependence. And I mean, what, yeah, what do you, I mean, what do you remember seeing at that point with patients coming in? Um, there was a lot of people getting completely cut off of their benzo prescription, either, you know, just a doctor saying, I'm not prescribing this for you anymore, you have one month left, or um, doing very rapid, like couple months tapers off of very high doses. And it's people who might have had these prescriptions and they were just sort of comfortably being um, forwarded for many years mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it was like this is wrong you're bad you need to stop um, just out of nowhere it seemed to patients yeah well I guess it was it kind of all f came at the end of the opiate epidemic I mean that's how like my understanding of it, it is you know people have known benzos have been addictive for a long time you know they've, they've known that they cause dependence they've known that they're bad with opiates but then there was this like just greater concern i think from the fda and authorities after the benzo after the opiate crisis to strengthen all the labels and so you know while in the past you had this fairly benign benzodiazepine label you know use caution with opiates you know try and limit the duration of mm -hmm. use 2020 comes around and now we have you know these drugs cause addiction and misuse and abuse. These drugs cannot be withdrawn, you know, rapidly, you know, extreme caution with opiates. I mean, they kind of said the same thing, but they really upped the ante. They really spelled it out a lot more. And I think when people saw that, like, yeah, like you said, when doctors saw that, they freaked out and they didn't yeah. get people off in the right way. Yeah, I mean, it just felt very abrupt. It was like, you used to just continue a script, you know, for years and Decades. now you're just cutting off. Yeah. Um, and I think even in our training, we noticed like we were in, working in clinics where they just stopped prescribing benzos altogether. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, to a detriment because then residents didn't learn how to use them and they also didn't learn how to taper them. Um, and they kind of very culturally came away with this like benzos are evil but not learning anything about actually how to manage someone who's on them. Mm -hmm. And they'd probably go into practice and have that same sort of mindset, just everyone who's on it just needs to be cut off and not thinking about the repercussions of that. And the interesting thing, at least at like a, you know, a population health level, people haven't really come out with a stance on how to taper people off benzodiazepines. I mean, in the UK, they have the NICE guidelines, which only came out like two just years ago, yeah. which are really good. But 
I mean, it was really like the Wild West in the US. I mean, we had people going into detoxes, coming off like decades of benzos yeah. in the space of two weeks, you know. Yeah. And we have guidelines that say it should be s slow. Like I know the Xanax label now says tapering should be gradual, but they don't really describe how gradual yeah. it should be. Yeah. And so there's just this massive like uncertainty about how you do it. And I think probably a lot of family doctors and a lot of psychiatrists defaulted to what maybe they just saw in training. And I saw crazy things in training. Yeah. You know, I used to have people coming in off the street on like 10 milligrams of Xanax and we would stop just it in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, really rapidly. Yeah. You know, we would some people would come into the emergency room. Sometimes we would load them up with Librium, just give them a big dose of it, and just say it's self tapering. You're done, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and they're done. And so I, I know it must have been done in many different ways around the country, yeah. but yeah, there was no unified way like FDA or any no. group saying, hey, you should taper this like slowly and gradually. But it, I don't know. It seemed just a little bit off to me that this was a drug that was used so widely and all of a sudden it's labeled a bad drug and no one wants to even deal with it. So all these patients had to scramble to find someone who would still prescribe because they are at a place where they have a tolerance and it's not easy to just stop. But all of these prescribers just uniformly said, I'm not touching that anymore. But it's like, well, it's kind of your responsibility because you were prescribing it. You can't just say, I'm not touching that now. Yeah, they left them in a lurch. And yeah. it's like interesting, the intersection of politics and the practice of medicine, because as soon as the benzodiazepines got tainted with the brush of the opiates, yeah. people were just like, I'm done with this. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to prescribe this anymore. If you don't like it, find a new doctor. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. want to be associated with the opiate you know, epidemic. Yeah, that's something I encountered a lot was I had patients who were on like a small dose of Suboxone. Yeah. And all of a sudden they were told either by their doctor or by a pharmacy or by, um, you know, like some sort of quality management for their insurance that they need to be off their benzo if they want to stay on Suboxone. Mm -hmm. And all these people were also getting cut off of their benzo because they had this other um, opioid prescription. But again, in my mind, it's like, they've been on this for years together, you know, it. they're doing all right. They need to stay on Suboxone for another problem. And yeah. let's not put them in withdrawal. You know, again, let's, you know, safely taper them or talk about, you know, why are you on both? What's going to happen long-term with each of these medications. Yeah, I mean, but it, it became this... Um, I mean, it was hysteria. Yeah, it was yeah. hysteria triggered by yeah. politics. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, we had a, I mean, we had a rush of patients coming yeah. to our practice after that who, who were getting cold turkey by yeah. their docs. Yeah, and then I think the people who ended up coming to us were there months out after they got cold turkeyed and they're having protracted withdrawal yeah and then they reinstated and they're still having the same symptoms yeah, so you and took people like, who were like do do? healthy and were like functioning yeah, they were and then just like completely and, damaged their nervous yeah. systems by like abruptly tapering yeah. them because of political hysteria yeah 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 it's um so i was curious we have this old dsm yeah um to see what it said um that's the DSM from the, I think it's the early 1980s. 1980s. Yeah. Um, DSM-3. Yeah. Because a lot of patients were 
who came to us were not educated about like the tolerance and dependence that can happen in the withdrawal with benzos. But that's just like laziness, right? Because it, it's right it, there. Yeah, so I was like, oh, maybe yeah. it was just, this is so archaic. It's just not known, you know. But in here we have um, barbiturate and similarly acting sedative or hypnotic dependence. And it talks about um, criteria would be either tolerance or withdrawal. And um, it doesn't list the actual I mean, symptoms of withdrawal. I mean, long, long story short, like, but I it's, mean, it's, it's known. It, it's in there. But I mean, Librium came out in the 50s. This was known by the 70s widely. Yeah. But the f reason people don't know about it today is they're just kind of rushed out of the family medicine yeah. office and just kind of continued on it and um i think it's got more more to do with just the the people being rushed yeah because it's you know it's something that was generally i think told to a lot of our patients this is a safe medication mm -hmm. um they weren't educated at all about tolerance or withdrawal and i know the label was recently updated in 2020 which kind of caused this hysteria but you know We'll need to get an even older DSM. I'd be curious, but there's, you know, been a lot of information out there for a long time. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a disconnect to what happens in practice. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Wittering Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from doctors Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at witduringpsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.